Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the, um, this will be the final game recap edition of the Utopia Football Podcast because the season is over. And the Texans, the Texans end on a winning note on the scoreboard, but I would say a resounding losing note in the draft and with their fan base. 32-31 over the Indianapolis Colts as we record this on Sunday night. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, mornings on Sports Radio 610, alongside the Hall of Famer, my good friend, the General John McClain. He's our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. John, we knew all week that the reaction after this game was going to be a crazy, I guess, irony, for lack of a better word, a dichotomy. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but the rare occasion where the Texans go into Indianapolis, beat the hated Colts at a place where they've only won three times in their history, and the fan base is livid. Livid over this, John, because they fell from number one to number two in the draft. John, I'm totally unscientific, but – Based on texts to the postgame show, calls to the postgame show, and social media, this is the angriest I've seen the fan base about something roster-related since the DeAndre Hopkins trade. It is preposterous because, number one, we got over three and a half min- months to go in the evaluation process. They may end up liking Bryce Young best. They may end up liking C.J. Stroud best. And the Bears haven't had the first overall pick in 75 years. And they're not looking for a quarterback. They're looking for a great defensive player like Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter. And they got to be careful if they want one of those players uh, and how far they trade down. So what Nick Casario is going to have to do is leak it, somehow find a way to leak it to make people think the Texans want the quarterback they don't want and him stay there number two and get the one he wants. Or he might like both of them. Yeah. could like both of them equally, even though they have different strengths. If you look at C.J. Stroud's last game against Georgia, best team in the country, he was fantastic. And uh, Bryce Young was fantastic, too, against Kansas State. So it's it's amazing. You know, we're all going off what we see in the regular season, and we've talked about this before, Sean. When this process is over, with the combine and the pro days and the private workouts 
and the dinners and the lunches and the fact you can bring 30 prospects to your facility and wine them and dine them. There's no telling which one of those guys they're going to like best. And if, and I tell you, I'll be at the combine. If Bryce Young shows up and he's not 5'11", it's really weird. I was listening to my favorite analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, talk about what he said. I've not stood next to him, but he just looks so lean. And then he talked about the difference in the other short ones. And if he shows up and he's not 5'11", at about two, at least 200, there's going to be a lot of people are disappointed. And whatever the Texans do, they have to make sure they have to get a coach who has experience coaching mobile quarterbacks, experience coaching small quarterbacks. And the guy I'd like to see be the offensive coordinator is Cliff Kingsbury because he's coached more of those, going back to Case Keenum, Johnny Manziel, all the way up through Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Baker Mayfield. He's had more experience coaching guys like that than anybody I know. So lots to unpack there then, John. We'll get to coaches and the coaching staff because I know we got to talk about Lovey Smith as well. And we'll do that in, in just a minute. Um, I think it's interesting. You, I mean, you bring up Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I was reading uh, Albert Breer. Was, it was part of a Q&A that was on SI.com with a couple of other names who's – a couple of other folks whose names I didn't recognize. But they were going through some of the, you know, the big questions heading into the offseason kind of thing. And one of them was – if the Texans get the number one pick in the draft, what do you think Nick Casario does with it? And Breer, who's pretty plugged into that whole New England network, as we know, said that he didn't think that Casario would really be a Bryce Young guy because so much about drafting with the Patriots, which makes sense because that whole Belichick tree falls from the Parcells tree, is about traits and about uh, especially that high in the draft that drafting outliers is not necessarily something that Parcells uh, descendants do and that he thought that it would either be Will Anderson or trading out of the pick for Nick Casario. Do you feel that one or do you, do you feel that one of these two quarterbacks fits a Casario profile better than the other young or well, Stroud? First of all, it's preposterous to say something about the Patriots when they had Tom Brady all those decades. And and uh, so they never drafted a quarterback in the first round. Casario, had, he didn't make a pick there. So just because Brady excelled all those years, I mean, they took – there were small guys they took. Uh, the rookie this year, what's his name? From Houston Baptist in, West, in Western Kentucky. Oh, Bailey Zappi. You know, no, but, yeah. they, but they took him in the fourth round. I, I think Breer's, Breer's point, and it's a point that Sean Payton made too on Colin Cowherd this week, is that – Parcell's credo in the draft has always been to to don't use high picks on guys that don't fit the prototype is the word that don't fit the, well, the prototype. prototypes that's down the toilet and Parcell's hasn't coached so long he's got dinosaur bleep all over him you know that's great but today so Sean Payton would not have drafted Drew Brees high in the first round that's what Sean Payton's saying and maybe Casario feels that way. We're not going to know. Maybe mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud, 6'2", and not 6'3". Uh, all players have a way of shrinking when they get to the combine. Yes. Unless they get measured at the senior ball. And as far as him drafting a player, then what's he going to do for a quarterback? Sign Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe. for Derek Carr. Uh, go after Jared Stidham finally. You know, the blooms off the Stidham Rose. The blooms off the Baker Mayfield. Rose, I guess, did the Rams win today? I didn't even. They didn't. They lost in overtime to the Seahawks. And uh, so, 
I'll be really surprised if the Texans don't take the quarterback with their first pick. Okay. Well, that's I I hope maybe you're right. Maybe they'll love hey, maybe they'll love Will Levis. But who are they gonna go with? They're gonna go with Davis Mills again? Ah. No, I, I don't think a, a new co- coach coming in here would insist on them having a quarterback. Yeah. Well, at least they're in the top two, you know, so they get, you know, if it's Stroud and it's young and, and I, I like young better, but I'm open to liking CJ Stroud. John, I may have to be open to loving CJ Stroud. Who knows if he comes here and he plays for the Houston Texans. I, but I do think, look, people freaking out over not having the number one pick. It's the Texans are an easy target for anything right now. And they made their own bed. They made their bed. They deserve all, they deserve all the smoke they get for anything that they do. And so the main reaction was they can't even lose properly. They can't even when we want them to lose. <laughs> and John, I think the, the just to me the most discouraging thing about today wasn't necessarily falling from number one to number two in the draft. Although I think it'd be more fun to cover a team with the number one overall pick for the next few months, just you know, based on what I think would draw an audience. Although the number two pick does have some intrigue, I will grant that. The most disappointing thing to me about this win was that it was truly meaningless. And and what I mean by that is sometimes I do think there are teams that are losing teams that can have wins at the end of the year that are meaningful carrying into the next season. You know, you beat an opponent that's a good opponent and you're starting to show some things that, that you can carry into the offseason. Um, or it's certain players who are sort of the catalyst for the win where you go, okay, well, this was good to see so-and-so do this. Maybe he can carry that into the offseason. This was the opposite of that. The Colts stink. That's a bad football team. Sam Ellinger is not good. He did some nice things today, but he turned the ball over. So you beat a downtrodden Colts team, coached by Jeff Saturday, who is, boy, I was glad I got to watch 60 minutes of Jeff Saturday. He's every bit as bad as his record has appeared over the last six weeks. He's terrible. He has no clue what he's doing. He's awful. You beat a Colts team, coached by Jeff Saturday, and the guys who were largely responsible for it are guys who really aren't going to be here when this thing, whatever it is Nick's putting together starts to turn the corner and chief chief among them, you know, Davis mills finally is closing games at the end here too little, too late. And the, the one that just turns my stomach is Brandon cooks. Every time Brandon cooks makes a play, I just, my, my stomach turns over in disgust. I just, I, I I'm so off of the Brandon cooks bandwagon because of the way he acted in the middle of the season, after signing a two-year contract extension, knowing full well who all was going to be coaching and quarterbacking and everything else, that Brandon Cooks is making plays that are negatively impacting the Texans' draft capital nauseates me. <laughs> I can't wait till he gets with another team and maybe he'll tell the truth about what he meant about covering up all the lies. You know, Cook oh, yeah. was the closest guy with Jack Easterby. That could have had something to do with it. He was supposed to be traded to the Cowboys. That thing about Casario turning down a two was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. He had turned down a two for Brandon Cooks. Um, the other thing about today, you can't lose. They don't play to lose. You know, I like Jordan Aiken's performance. I think they need to keep him. Quentin uh, Tegan Quatoriano, he has flashed a little bit. I hope yeah. he stays healthy. He's big. He can block and see if they might have struck struck gold because you know Travis Kelsey George Kittle those guys were not first round picks Kittle I think was a fifth round pick and, it was. Uh, and Jonathan Grenard is going in the last year of his contract if he could just stay on the field he'd be a hell of a player problem is he's missed I think five games last season and eight games this season and uh, but he showed 
he looked like J.J. Watt making that catch over the middle and then taking it to the house. So, you know, coaches and players never play to lose. I was happy for Lovey Smith. I was happy for the assistant coaches that won't be around. And uh, same thing for the players because they busted their butt one week after they didn't do squat against the Jaguars. I'm not mad at the players for winning. I'm mad that the players won. There's a difference. So, yeah, <laughs> I, agree. I, I get it. They they have a job to do. We actually we had Katoriano on the postgame show today. And it was funny because before we got him on, Omar, Omar Majoub, who does a great job running media relations for the Texans. He had texted me. He and I always text John with about like five minutes to go in the game about which player he's going to be sending us for postgame. Because win or lose, we get players on the postgame now in the Omar Majoub era. He's the best. Um and I said, well, they've been making an effort to get the rookies on the postgame show so people can get to know them because those are the guys who are going to be around for a little while, which makes sense. That's why we've had Petrie on so many times and Damian Pierce, who's excellent. We had Christian Harris on. And Omar kind of uh, kind of not warned me, but he just kind of said, hey, just know he's kind of a quiet kid. Like, I don't know how much you're going to get out of him, like, but he's, he's a nice guy, but he's kind of quiet. I said, that's cool. But, he, you know, he had a good game. Let's talk to him. And I asked him about – the the noise of the draft you know the number one versus number two pick and what it means to this game and what it you know are you guys hearing that noise and what does that mean and boy he was emphatic about could like like he said I, I the if you read the answer you go okay well that's what the guy's supposed to say but boy for a guy who's very even keeled emotionally he really almost took umbrage to the thought of players having any sort of inkling of bettering their draft capital. And this is a kid who's a rookie sixth rounder and he's taking total umbrage to it. So, um, yeah, I mean, those guys are out there trying to win. I don't blame them at all. He made that, he made the rookie help make the rookie class look really impressive. Yes. You know, the offensive line, I figured up giving up five sacks in the last six games, only three with alignments fault. Now they struggle run blocking, but when you've got Royce Freeman, Rex Bleeping Burkhead and Daria Gumbawali as your running backs. I think anybody would struggle, look like they struggled in run blocking. And that's one of the things Casario has to make a priority, getting a legitimate backup running back for Damian Pierce. Some teams have that. And they, and if you miss your starter, the next guy steps in, that's got to be a priority. And he's got the draft choices, or he's got the cap room coming up. You know, the Bears have a hundred million to spend, not just having the first overall pick. Yeah. And uh, so, if I'm the Bears, I want Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter. Another thing Texans have to worry about: what if the Colts trade up? Yep. And if the, if the Colts trade up with the Bears and whoever they take, everybody's going to say that's the one the Texans wanted. Yep. And uh, so this is going to be so intriguing. I can't wait to get to Indianapolis to the combine and start. That's when the draft talk really heats up. I used mm -hmm. to go to the senior bowl. I don't anymore because there's so many players that don't go to the senior bowl. That's an agent thing where everybody goes to, but boy, the combine's going to be so much fun. I'll be calling and we'll be doing our podcast uh, from Indy with most mm. up-to-date information we'll have, but I was happy for the Texans. I was happy for Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, they were throwing the ball down the field. I was happy for Davis Mills. He threw those two interceptions back to back to pick six. And I'm thinking, man, he's working hard to get his replacement. <laughs> I do think he'll, he'll be back on the team. 
Yeah. And he'll be a great guy for the rookie to work with because Mills is a hell of a guy, hard worker. Everybody respects him. But so I was happy on him. I saw something on the last drive. They converted two of more than fourth and 10 on the last drive. And I think they said that was the first time anybody done that all year on a last drive. So good for him. Fourth and 12 and fourth and 20. John, the timeout they took, the timeout they took before the fourth and 20 play, their win probability was under 7% for the game. According to oh well, good for them. Yep, yep. So, um, so the Texans win thirty-two, thirty-one. But they will be picking second in the uh, in the draft. John, they'll also be picking before we get to four stock up and four stock down. They'll also be picking twelfth in the draft because that's where the Cleveland pick is going to land. Cleveland lost to Pittsburgh today, twenty-eight to fourteen. So amazingly, Mike Tomlin found a way to finish above five hundred again. That's all he does is finish with uh, at or above five hundred records. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He did it with Duck Hodges a few years ago, and now he's doing it with Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky this year. Um, what direction? I know it's early, and you're going to do eight jillion mock drafts between now and the end of April. But as of today, what would you like to see the Texans do with that twelfth overall pick? The wide receiver. They have to get playmakers on offense. Longtime oiler, Mike Reinfeld, who was a general manager, and he also was a cap guy with the Packers. And as soon as he retired, Al Davis hired him. Al had had signed him as an undrafted free agent out of college. He hired him, and he told me one time that Al Davis said, you have to get players who can score touchdowns or who produce touchdowns. And he always wanted skilled position players, whether it was wide receiver, running back, he had some great tight ends who could catch. And uh, I want him to get people who can score touchdowns. If you're going to take a quarterback with that first pick, give him some weapons. Nobody fears Nico Collins. And I think no. Brandon Cooks will be gone. And none of those other receivers are going to scare anybody. And Collins has been hurt too much in his first two years, even though he's flashed. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some of those guys come back as backups, but this is going to be a really – deep draft with wideouts, and there's a good chance you can get one of the top – well, maybe the top one or one of the top two picking where the Browns were. There were six teams, I think, that finished 7-10. and 10. Yeah, there were. There were. It's crazy. And the Browns, unfortunately, had one of the stronger schedules. Um, that's the tiebreaker um, is it goes by the weaker – whoever played the weakest schedule gets the first pick, and then it – keeps going in order after that so of the six teams that went seven and ten i think the browns played like the second strongest schedule of of those uh of those teams so 12th is the pick john i think you're going to be in the stadium on monday night watching one of the guys who i would love to see them take with that 12th pick quentin johnston from tcu i think he'll be the first receiver taken he's six four he can run like crazy anybody watch kansas state he had an incredible game long touchdown catch it wasn't a long pass he took it to the house, and uh, I can't wait to see him again, although I kind of hope maybe he has a mediocre game. But, you know, the truth is in the scouting process, what they do in college, they it doesn't mean squat when it comes to it. And that's one of the reasons they screw up so many draft choices because they – I always say, could they do any worse if there was nothing beyond looking at tape? Yep. Uh, all right, John, let's get to some four stock up, four stock down for this game. And we can even do it for, you know, broader topics like the draft, whatever direction we want to go with this. But four stock up, four stock down for um, for week 18 here. Our last one 
of the season. And just for, for those listening, John and I are still going to do two episodes a week, even in the offseason, especially when you have a team that's so hyper-relevant with the draft. There could be a coaching change that comes this week. Um, in fact, uh, I'll make sure, I'll bring up Lovey as a topic in Four Stock Up, Four Stock Down, so we can talk about where we're at with Lovey Smith. We were so wrapped up in the draft, we didn't get to that. But let's get it going, John. Four Stock Up, who is your first stock up? Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins was a great signing by Nick Casario. He had five touchdown catches. He made a lot of big plays. Uh, they didn't throw the ball enough to get him the ball more often, but he and uh, Tegan Quatoriano today, they they had they combined for the bet, most yards, the highest average per catch, and then the two touchdowns. Remember O.J. Howard had two touchdown catches in that first yeah, game against the Colts? Do. Didn't do squat the rest of the year, so Jordan Aikens, number one. He was inactive today, O.J. Howard. John, talk about a circle of life, huh? Yeah, he'll <laughs> two, be gone. Two touchdowns in the uh, in the opener, and then come week 18, uh, he's he's inactive. Um, for my, uh, my first stock up, I am going to go – I'm actually going to go with Davis Mills, I think, for my first stock up. All, threw for almost 300 yards, uh, converted the fourth and 12, which was a beautiful pass to Brandon Cooks. The fourth and 20 was a little – on the lucky side, it went right through that Indianapolis DB's hands. Thomas, Rodney Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Who was? I believe he was a teammate, or was a what a high school teammate of uh, of uh, Demar Hamlin. Yep. Him and, him and he Big Heine. Yeah. Yep. Um. But Davis, Davis has made more plays. Of, uh, the Jacksonville game, notwithstanding, had a really good drive to close out that Tennessee game and get a road win there. Um, and then today in Indianapolis, it wasn't the greatest indie team in the world. They did have some of their guys on defense. Um, I thought Davis Mills, you know, the pick six notwithstanding, um, he's done a better job, I think, of moving around in the pocket. I thought he did some a good job today at times of avoiding the rush and buying himself some more time. I'm, he's not the quarterback of the future, but as you point out, I'm happy to have him on the team next year. I think he can be a high-level backup for you if this team is going to be in winning mode next year. Hopefully, they better be. Um, so, um, I'm, I am, uh, I'm happy for Davis Mills that he's, that he has like last year come out of his benching a better quarterback than he was going into the benching. And hopefully he gets better coaching next year. Well, he better get better coaching next year. If he's not there, if they can't find somebody better than Pep Hamilton, they're just spinning their wheels. Mm -hmm. My second one is, uh, you just mentioned him, Christian Harris, 10 tackles, led the team two for loss. And uh, he had a sack. And he did a good job in coverage, too. And, uh, uh, boy, what he did over the last nine games, I think he missed the first eight. Boy, he flashed. You know, we're talking about Toriano uh, making the draft look good, but he makes the draft as a third-round pick look extra good, considering they got 11 picks, two in the first round, five in the first three rounds. And, uh I think I'm fired. I'm really fired up the draft, not just because they have the second overall pick, because of what happened this year and getting and getting John Mechie back. That'll be like an extra two. So Christian Harris, boy, his people got to be pumped about him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my last one, John, on the stock up. This is today. There were a couple plays on special teams. So this is really more of a season long achievement award. Frank Ross coach of the special teams for the Houston Texans going into this game, they were third in DVOA efficiency on special teams in the entire league. 
Indianapolis was, I think, 28. So I was, I thought in looking at this game that that was, that was an area that the Texans had a big advantage in. Um, they got a fumble recovery on a kickoff uh, in the first quarter. Granted, it was stripped by the, uh, by the returner's teammate, <laughs> which is one of the funnier looking plays that we've seen. Um, but special teams has been real, real solid for the Texans all year. They, by, by my memory here, they were solid again today. I don't remember them giving up any big plays on special teams. Um, so just a season long stock up to Frank Ross, who I hope whoever the new coach is, we'll get to the coaching situation here in stock down, I'm sure. But if, and when there is a new coach, I hope that Frank Ross is one of the first conversations that that new coach has to try to keep him here. No ifs when, um, the, the one that I, Jamie Fairbairn kicked his 19th consecutive field goal. He was six and six, but six of six from the 50 on. He only missed one from the 40 through the longest on the 50s. He didn't miss an extra point, I think, for the first time in his career. And he had yeah. two more touchbacks today. Cam Johnston put three punts inside the 20. Desmond King had a 16-yard punt return. So they're, as you said, they've been consistent. They've been not just consistent, they've been damn good on special teams this yep. year across the board. And, of course, it wouldn't have been possible without the perfect snaps for the 12th, 13th year in a row from the greatest snapper in NFL history, John Weeks. Amen. Amen to John Weeks. All hail John Weeks. You think John Weeks is back next year, John? Well, how stupid would it be to get rid of a guy who's never had one bad snap? I just, I'm just, i wondering if, if you think he keeps playing. Like, How, how much longer oh, yeah. do you think John Weeks goes? Uh, one guy, I've seen snappers play 16 years, 18 years. John signs one, usually he'll sign a one-year deal. The minimum keeps going up. It's not like they're going to need the money. Remember they cut him this year and then re-signed him? Yeah. I think that was pretty stupid of Casario to do it. Don't know why he did it. Maybe John had teams interested and he wanted to stay here, but he is so great. Everybody takes him for granted. Yep. No, he's a great dude, too. We love John Weeks. Oh, also Sikkim, right? I left that out. I didn't say anything about Sikkim. I said it. I'm allowed to say it. A lot. Baylor's got a lot of my money, John. So he's I'm allowed beyond, to say it. Yes, they do. He's beyond. He's beyond the praise for being from Baylor. He's been. He got here before JJ Watt. He, he did. By the way, had two more sacks in his last game, giving him 12 and a half, the most since he had 16 in 2018. That's great. It was really good to see JJ play, playing well at the end here. All right, let's do some uh, let's do some stock down. I'll let you go first. Blowing the first overall pick, it was everybody's fault. Lovey Smith, Pat Hamilton, Frank Ross, Davis Mills, Jordan Akins, all the diff- Jonathan Grenard, all those guys contributed to the victory and blowing the first overall pick and having your choice of any player you want. So literal stock down for you is the fact that the Texans draft capital has diminished. Like they're they're it's a literal stock down. <laughs> it's a literal stock down, exactly. Uh all right, uh, John, I'm going to I'm going to go Lovey Smith on this one. Um I I know there were uh I'm sure you love the reports from the national media over the the weekend that he was lobbying for his job and in what they made sound like they made it sound like, I think it's Pelissero, the tweets that got sent out made it sound like he was marching into Cal McNair's office to lobby for his job. Lovey revealed in the press conference today that they have a standing meeting every Monday. So that, that was that was actually significant to me. I'm like, 
Because when you read it, I'm like, wow, he's like going around Casario and he's lobbying to the owner. Like, that's how this reads. But the fact is, he meets with Cal every week. And if you think you should keep your job, that's exactly what you should be doing is lobbying for it. Um, I say stock down because um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a very effective lobbying for his job. Well, first of all, I don't think Lovey Smith's lobbying for his job. Uh, they may, he meets with Nick every week too. And then he and Nick talk multiple times or offices right next to each other mm-hmm. about personnel and who's hurt and who's not. So yeah, I agree with you. Those national guys are something else, but they're trying to, to stir it up. Just like on the Sean McVay stuff. Everybody expects Sean McVay to be gone. I feel bad for the Rams. And I'm thinking if he comes, might as well go because if he doesn't, then they're going to have to start doing this every year. And I always felt terrible for the Packers. They kept Brett Favre and make him wait and wait and wait, which is why Aaron Rodgers waited three years. And Ted Thompson told me one time on the way to the senior ball, three of them went and found him in Kill, Mississippi. He wasn't in Hattiesburg. He's where he grew up in Kill to say, are you staying retired this time? And he said, yes, absolutely. So when he changed his mind later, it was too late. McCarthy had given the ball to Aaron Rodgers and said in front of some players, hey, it's your team now. Brett's not coming back and that's the way it ended and I guess that's the way it's going to happen there but uh anyway I don't sorry getting sidetracked on that's that. okay but uh uh you know Lovey I don't think for a minute Lovey's campaigning for his job that's not his style he's going there like he told us you know he, I'm sure he said we played better over the last four couldn't say that about Jacksonville because they stunk it up and uh tomorrow um I'll be interested to see if they fire him tomorrow. They wait because you have to spend all day on exit interviews. Yeah. Every player has to come into the coach or general manager's office and they tell me, here's what we expect from you. They all have to get their physicals. The media can interview them at 10, starting at 1030, although a bunch of them won't be in because they don't come in until later, but because they have to stagger the physical and the physicals in the exit interviews. So I'm waiting. To see, I'm assuming it'll leak out in one of the national guys. But, uh, you know, Lovey's been here two years. I've known him a long time. I'm, I wish it worked out really well. But what really hurt was going all in on Pep Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Pep to hire the coaches. Pep gets all the personnel decisions on offense. And the offense was a disaster. There's a total disaster. John, who's the first phone call to once they fire Lovey Smith? I don't think they're going with an older coach. They hired Cully at 66, Lovey at 63. Cully was offense. Lovey was defense. I think they'll go for a younger offensive coach. Shane Striking from the Eagles. They interviewed Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator, twice last year. Liked him a lot. Shane Striking is because he has the most balanced offense in the NFL. He calls plays. He's a rarity of a coordinator who works for an offensive oriented coach who actually calls plays. And I think that uh, they'll reach out to D'Amico Ryans. And uh, another one, Joe Lombardi of the Chargers was a guy they interviewed last year and they and they liked him. Jack Easterby had a big role last year and the year before when it came. He didn't make the decisions. Casario did, but now Casario is free and clear of everyone to recommend. And then, of course, It'll go to the McNair family, and they'll be involved in the interview process. But um, I'm ready to get it going. You got any favorites you want to see? Uh, I I, um, I would like to see D'Amico for sure. 
Um, I've thought that if they went with a defensive coach that I know Jonathan Gannon made it pretty far down the process last year. Um, I would expect that he would be part of the process again. And then my hope would be that they bring, he would bring Brian Johnson with him to be the offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks coach in Philadelphia, who like our colleague, Clint Sterner is a former Baytown Lee quarterback. So I'm hoping Brian Johnson might want to come here to be the opportunity to be an OC for a possible top draft pick quarterback to groom that particular quarterback. So I like that scenario as well. I like young guy. If you get a young guy like D'Amico with only two years of coordinator, he needs some help from former head coach. That's why I think a good coordinator for him would be Kingsbury. Mm -hmm. And uh, because Kingsbury has showed that he can coach every kind of quarterback and D'Amico, if he didn't want a guy like that, he better hire a defensive coordinator who's been a head coach or have one as an assistant head coach. But a guy who doesn't have experience needs that terribly. Yep. I'll tell you, a guy I wish they'd reach out to, and I'm sure he wouldn't do it, be Gary Kubiak. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no. Yeah, Coops doesn't need Remember that. Remember that's what Minnesota did Yeah, when, uh, when uh, they had uh, Stefanski. Stefanski had the title offensive coordinator, and Gary had somehow fluent title. He was over the offense and worked closely with him and helped Stefanski get a head coaching job. Yep. Uh, all right, John, my first stock down, the running game. 23 carries, 59 yards for the Texans running game. Not good. Not good at all. So they go into the – and, by the way, they gave up a bunch of yards on the ground too. So one of the themes of this year is I know Damian Pierce notwithstanding, this was not a good team running the football. They were good at handing the ball to Damian Pierce and letting him try to plow over as many guys as he could. The guy had so many yards after contact because he was just a one-man wrecking crew. Without Damian Pierce, this team is completely, completely impotent running the football, and they were today. So my stock down is really on just general run game stuff with the Texans. They gave up over 100 yards to Zach freaking Moss today. And he averaged like 6.2 yards. I yeah. mean, they, the Colts without Jonathan Taylor yep. gain more yards than they do with Taylor when yep. he is just torching them. Mine is going to be Brandon Cooks mm. for having a good game and making big plays showing the kind of player he used to be and, and magnifying the fact that he quit on his team and just infuriating everybody. Yep. I I do not like Brandon Cooks. I do not like him at all. And I hope he gets traded this offseason. But boy, that contract I would I could deal with Brandon Cooks getting sideways about the team, getting even getting sideways about his guy Easterby. I could I could deal with that. I wouldn't approve of it, but I could deal with it. But dude, you signed a contract. Like you signed, you signed all a nearly fully guaranteed two year extension. Like that's, it's just it's stealing money is what it is. And then it's a and then it's a modified version of what Deshaun was doing with the Texans. You know, like sign a big deal and then a few months later try to leverage your way out. He, obviously, he wasn't successful because he's not nearly the player that Deshaun was. But um, anyway, you yeah, know, Cooks is a good one, John. I just Cooks's act is is tired. Um, all right, last one. Uh, let's have a moment of silence for the Drizzy Cat. Uh, I don't know why they keep mixing this thing in, John. I don't know why they insist on trotting Jeff Driscoll out there, but they do. Um, he actually was two of two passing the ball today, so good for Jeff Driscoll. But 13 yards. 13 yards, John. That's a big – Yep, uh, John, 6.5 per attempt, okay? Um, 
But yeah, Drizzy Cat, three carries, seven yards. Everybody knows what's coming. And then they're putting him out there on second and six to run it. Not even like short yardage situations. Like you guys realize you're just putting yourselves in third and eight. That's all you're doing is forfeiting a down. So of the list of people, this is probably something better for for the mailbag episode we do later this week. Because maybe I'll come up with a list and I'll email the show myself. Sean from Upper Kirby emails in. I want to make a list of all the guys who we are so excited we theoretically are not going to have to see ever again from this team. Burkhead, Driscoll, Cooks. I think for a lot of people, Lovey, definitely Pep. But I think it's a pretty decently long list for a team that's got so many vanilla personalities. And there's going to be a lot of people gone. It'd be a humongous turnover uh, and a lot more influx of young players since they had the full complement of draft choices for the second year in a row. All right, John, you jet setting, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. Uh, you uh, were you're mere hours away from jumping on a jet with Mattress Mac to uh, head out to LA, huh? Headed to the championship game. Max uh, set it up for some of his people to go out there, and I've never been to SoFi Stadium, so I'm looking forward to that and staying, watching in a suite, get limoed over from the private airport, so I am excited. Very excited. Have you been to SoFi Stadium before, John? No. Never oh, been. I hear it's awesome. I know it's awesome. Now I get to see it up close and personal. That'll be fun. All right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? My report card is on sportsradio610.com, and I have a column talking about blowing the number one pick, Lovey Smith, job situation on uh, gallerysports.com. And uh, thank you very much, as always. All right, good stuff, John. It's going to be a busy week, so uh, be ready. We'll be uh, we'll be keeping people in tune here on this podcast. We look forward to getting your mailbag questions, mailbag at gmail.com. That doesn't stop just because the season's over. Keep sending us questions. Uh, draft is draft is about as good a mailbag topic as there is, huh, John? Absolutely. That's why I never stopped doing mailbags at the Chronicle. I did them all year round. Every Friday we post them. Is I'd get literally a couple of hundred questions, but after the season, leading up to the draft, every week. Yep, we're not to the couple hundred questions per mailbag, but uh, we're we're. Getting I didn't there. run them. I didn't run them all, of course. No, of course not. Of course not. But we're getting there, man. We got a nice steady crew of people that email the show. And if you want to be one of them, uh, we'll, uh, we'll work in your questions. Uh, uh, H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. All right. We, we are done. Uh, big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to each and every one of you, as he does every week. We're going to be going to two episodes a week in the offseason, but it's going to be a busy, fun, exciting, and interesting, more than anything else, offseason for the Houston Texans. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. Appreciate you guys sticking with us throughout the entire season. A 3-13-1 campaign for the Texans, but the fun is just beginning. So download, subscribe, share, give us a review, tell your friends. We appreciate you. This is the Utopia Football Podcast. We'll see you for the mailbag, mailbag episode later this week. Have a great day, everybody.